Anyhow, uh, I want Rick was kind of uh, all you know. Isn't it interesting how the Lord just kind of flows everything together? You know, um, sense about I, I think really I've I, I preached on it off and on for I've been in the ministry since 1985 uh, or 86. So, but I've preached on it many times. But since particularly 2009, I, I have taught specifically intentionally on the kingdom of God. And he mentioned that, and Dave mentioned it, uh, you know, a second ago, Jesus said, I'm not going to eat this. Uh, eat it with. I submit to you that the kingdom of God is here now. And we just ate that with him in his kingdom, okay? And um, so I, I spoke back in February, I was looking back over my notes, about, and, uh, you know, on that, on that app, you'll have a chance to... Uh, Oh, the, the sermon archives are all there. They're up from YouTube, or you can watch it live if you're, you're not there. But if you go back to February, I spoke about how to activate the kingdom of God uh, you know, in your life. And, uh, I, and as I've been doing some reading and, and thinking, and you know, the thought has come to me, I've got... Um, there's so much more that we don't know. I mean, if you ever get to the point where you think you've arrived and you will know it, you don't know anything. Uh, Solomon said, why is this man that never lived? He says, I know nothing as I ought to. Um, so I, I know I don't know much of anything, but you know, I, got a, I got another revelation. And uh, I guess one of the concerns that a lot of people have, particularly me, is how do we manifest, is exactly what I was saying, the kingdom of God um, in a greater way in our lives, in our families, in our church, in this world, at our workplace, or wherever we are. So this came to me. I'll just give it to you for what it's worth. And it's just another insight, another revelation. Maybe it'll help us manifest that kingdom that's, you know, that's living inside of us, out of us. Wouldn't you want that? And um, so I want to see the kingdom of God manifested visibly in our lives and to the lives of the people that we come in contact with, the people that we love and the people that we pray for, the people that we're witnessing to, the people that we're praying for. And I want to see it more visible, his kingdom more visible, the visible manifestations, that's what you're talking about, in the body of Christ all around us in order to bring the breakthroughs that we all need and we all want to see occur in our lives and the lives of our families and the people we care about and, and all of that. I tell you, there is a world of suffering and it's not just in the church, it's all, out, it's all around us every day. And my, my desire, my cry, my, my heart's cry is, how can we be his body in this world? In this world. So um, a few weeks ago, my daughter Rachel, who's, who's here, and her grandsons are here, and she gave me a book for Father's Day. And um, it was, it's about the great healing evangelist, uh, Charles, Dr. Charles Price. And uh, Charles Price was one of the greatest healing evangelists of the last century in the 30s and 40s, particularly, I think he died in 1947. But he, he was a, a minister, a lawyer, who got saved and uh, became a minister. And around 1906, uh, he was supposed to go to Azusa Street, and uh, he didn't go. And as a result, he missed what God had for him, and he wound up uh, getting liberal theology that was still going on then and became a Congregationalist minister. And if you know anything about Congregationalism, it's they're, they're all inclusive. Everybody, we're all, okay, you're okay. There's no God. There's no hell. There's no hell. You know, it, it's such nonsense. 
And somehow he got, uh, about uh, 15 years later, he uh, went to a, a friend's church who was uh, a Baptocostal and got filled with the Holy Spirit and everything changed. And as a result, he began preaching the book of Acts. And he began seeing the signs and wonders and ministries. And as a direct result, you're studying T.L. Osborne's book on healing the sick. Well, T.L. Osborne was another one who was a minister. He and his wife, Daisy, became, got called by God to go into the ministry. And they went to India as missionaries. And while they were there, nothing happened. Hardly anybody got saved. Nobody got healed. Nothing was happening. They came back home after several years discouraged. And they went to a meeting in Spokane and a Somehow, Dr. Charles Price was in that meeting. And while he was speaking, they got refilled with the Holy, filled with the Holy Spirit and began to emulate his ministry. So T.L. Osborne is a product of Charles Price's ministry. Every, you know, what he saw manifest. Charles Price had some of the most amazing, you know, uh, uh, miraculous miracles of healing and, and manifestations of the wonders of God, signs and wonders in his ministry to anybody. And as a matter of fact, another person who you might remember the name of, by the name of Catherine Kuhlman, got saved in one of his meetings in Missouri. And she and her father and sister all got saved at the same time. And uh, as a result, Catherine Kuhlman ministry became uh, patterned after his as well. So two of the great, greatest people in the world as far as the healing ministry came out of as, as a direct result of Dr. Charles Price. Anyway, he has a book called The Real Faith. And I've been reading through it. And, and, and uh, a couple of things that he said just really struck me. He said it, it hurt his heart. Now, and brother, I know you'll know where exactly where I'm going. To see people come to your meetings and people pray for them, lay hands on them, and they leave here the same way they came in. That hurts. And you don't have an answer for it. And one of his, he, he said he would go home and lay on the floor and cry to God, why, why aren't these people being healed? And it just, you know, and, and so one of the deepest cries he had with God and, and in her, in times of intercession was for these people who, that, that everyone would be healed. And I remember that Catherine Schoolman said that there's coming a day when God's people, the body of Christ, will walk through the hospitals and pray and everyone will be healed. Everyone. She said, I see a day coming, okay? And... Um, one of my deepest cries, I mean, I've been in a lot of meetings where I've prayed for thousands of people, and we've seen unbelievable manifestations of God's grace and healing power, and, and yet there have been many we prayed for, nothing happened, seemingly. You know. I don't know what happened later, but at that moment in time, nothing we could say happened. And so one of my cries is not, I don't just want revival. That's not what I'm talking about. I want to see the manifestations, is exactly what you said. I want to see the manifestations of God's presence visibly, tangibly expressed in a greater dimension than we've ever seen. And I know we're going to see that. I know we're going to see that. So whatever I share with you today is drawn from those thoughts, is that how can we accomplish the greater measure of God's kingdom on this earth today as a body of Christ in this world? And so I want to put up to you first a verse from Matthew chapter 6, 
And these are familiar verses, and it's the Lord's Prayer. And verses 9 and 10 especially, if you put that up for me, Isaac. Um, Jesus said, pray like this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, okay? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, okay? Now, we've talked about this verse many times in here. I've heard other, other, other teachers, uh, Bill Johnson wrote a book on it. Um, and so I submit and ask the question to you, is this the will of God? What is the will of God? To see heaven manifested on this earth. Is that true? If Jesus said pray that the will of God would be manifested, pray that heaven would come to earth. Well, it has. Jesus did. Okay? I'm, I'm building on something. I'm creating a foundation. So Exodus chapter 33, verse 13. Moses is crying out to God. Okay? He says, if you're pleased with me, Lord, teach me your ways so that I can know you and continue to find favor with you. And then he says, remember that these people, this nation are your people. So what is the heart cry? What is the cry of Moses? Moses says, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know your way. I want to know your heart. I want to know your nature. I want to know your character. Help me, Lord, know you. Reveal yourself to me. Reveal your character. Reveal your nature. Reveal your ways to me so I can know you. I can't know you if you don't show me who you are. Are you with me? Okay. We find in the book of Psalms a quotation that we're going to see also again in Hebrews. And, and, and in Psalm 95, it says, For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if you will not, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did. Who's he talking about? The people of Israel at Meribah, okay, which means bitterness. As you did that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me and they tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, these are a people whose hearts go astray. They have not known my what? Wait, they didn't, know the, they didn't know the heart of God. They saw what he did, but they didn't know his heart. Moses is crying out, Lord, give me, show me your heart. Show me your ways. But the people of God know his acts, but they don't know his ways. They don't know his heart. And it says exactly this in Psalm 103, verse 7. And so, I'm sorry, go back. To, I just forgot the last verse. Go back to verse 11. I forgot. Sorry. Okay. He made known his ways. Where am I? Okay, so I declared an oath in my anger. They will never into my rest. Why? Because they didn't know his ways. They didn't know his heart. All they knew was acts. And then they resisted that. They turned away from that. Okay, now, Psalm 103, verse 7 says... He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. 
Now, he would have shown his ways to them if he'd asked. But what it boils down to is Moses has a heart cry. I want to know you, Lord. I want to know your ways. I want your heart to be my heart. I want to know your nature. I want to know your character. I want to know your attitudes. I want to know everything about you. But the people, all they're concerned about is what you did for us. They knew his acts, but they didn't know his nature. That's why they couldn't trust him. Moses didn't have any problem trusting God to provide water where there was no, but the people of God said, well, I know he could, but I don't think he will. Are you with me? Okay. And in Hebrews chapter three, it says it again to us. So we're in Old Testament, New Testament, same thing. Verse three says, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, so whoever wrote <laughs> back there in Exodus with Moses, it wasn't Moses who wrote, it was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, hear the voice of the Spirit today. Today, do not harden your heart. If you'll hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as in the day of provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me and proved me and they saw what I did for 40 years. Therefore, I was grieved with that generation and I said, they always err where? In their hearts. They have not known my ways. They do not know me. They don't know who I am. They don't know my character. They don't know their, my nature. All they know is what they see in front of them. That should be enough. And so I swore in my anger that they will not enter my rest. See, Israel knew what God could do. They saw what he did, but they don't know why he did it. They didn't know his nature. They didn't know his ways. What they didn't have was Moses was crying out to God for relationship. But the people only were crying out for provision. Meet my needs. Heal my body. Give me water. Give me food. Okay. So where'd they go astray? It says they erred in their what? Hearts. Now, hear this. Because this is critical. If you, I want to sum up everything I'm going to say today is bound up in these, this sentence I'm going to tell you. Their internal reality became their external reality. They manifested in their external environment everything that was inside of them. Their doubts, their fears, their unbelief was their reality. Moses knew the nature of God, and he expected God to provide. Why? He had a relationship with him. So his heart created an environment where the miracles could flow. There's no water here. So they're going to afraid they die. The Israelites are afraid they're going to die of thirst. They looked. Why do you expect? They looked at the land, and two of them had faith to believe, but eight of them said, out of ten, said, "There's giants in the land. Oh, we're going to die." Why? They didn't have it in their heart to believe that God could take care of them. They were afraid, but but Moses knew God and knew He would meet their needs. Because he knew the nature of God is good all the time towards his people. In Luke chapter 17, verse 21, and this is what I want to talk to you about today. Jesus said, 
don't say it's here or there. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking to the Pharisees. And he says, because why? The kingdom of God is where? Within you. Put that slide up, okay? I stood right there. That's the Christ the Redeemer statue in Rio de Janeiro. What a beautiful sight, sunrise across there to the, across the, the harbor. The kingdom of God is within you. That's all, all, everything you see around. We're, we're standing in the kingdom of God. The, the, the devil may think he owns this world, but we're living in the kingdom of God. This is God's place. That's God's place. But the kingdom of God, what, I, what I'm trying to tell you is whatever is in you is going to come out of you. If you're bound up in fear, if you're bound up in doubt, if you're bound up in anxiety and depression and lust and unforgiveness and bitterness and hatred and all those things, what kind of environment are you think you're creating all around you? Everything in the natural realm is, I know there's outside influences, but everything in the natural realm is a byproduct of what's inside us, how how we respond to it. What, what What we're projecting is what's coming out of us. The book of Job says, that which I have feared has come upon me. So what you fear, how you act, how you respond, what you think, who you are, deep down inside your heart is being manifested all around you. If you're unloving, guess what? I guarantee you're not going to find much love. If you're bitter and angry and, 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 and you're just nasty person, you know what? Everybody you come in contact with is bitter and nasty because that's how they respond to what's coming out of you. And here's the problem. Even if you're a Christian and you think you know the right confession, the confession of your mouth is negated by what's in your heart. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart speaks. But sometimes we know we can't say what we really think, so we say what we're supposed to say. But deep down inside it, that's not what we believe and that's not who we are. If you have to force yourself to say the right thing, it doesn't count. Can I tell you, parents, you create a reality in your homes with your children by how you respond to them and what you say over them. Couples, you create it in your marriage. If you're unforgiving, if you're difficult to deal with, if you're not as loving as you could be, if you're not as kind, if you're not as, as compassionate, you know, all these things, you, you can't expect to receive it back when you're, when you're pushing the opposite out of you. Are you with me? I know it's getting a little, bring your steel-toed boots in here, but, you know, you can only create what's in your heart. If you don't have much faith, if there's not much trust, if there's not expectation of hope, you know, then what else do you think you're going to get? If you, if you have no joy, if you walk around in depression, what's your reality? Everybody's depressed because you I am. That's right. Well, who wants to hang around a depressed person? 
if we're unkind, we, we create that in the same environment. If, like I said, if we're unforgiving, if we're bitter, if we're hurt, if we feel rejected, if we're insecure, that is the environment that you're creating all around you. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. If his kingdom, think for a second, if his kingdom is inside of us, what does that mean? That means there's faith in here. There's joy in here. There's peace in here. There's patience in here. Well, you haven't seen my kids. I understand. But the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. Okay? If the kingdom of God is in here, then I should be manifesting externally what's inside of me. Instead, what we do is, while it's supposed to be there, we suppress the kingdom of God with our own kingdom. That's why the prayer sometimes is, Lord, less of me, more of you. That's really where we need to be. Because me is overwhelming you, Lord. Because let me tell you something. Deep inside us lives the healer. Inside of us, he's not depressed. He's filled with joy. He's faithful. He's supernatural. So if our external reality is not that thing, I wonder if it's our fault. I forgot to give you this, uh, these verses, so let me read it to you. So on the same day when the night had come, he said to them, let's go pass over to the other side. They sent away the multitude. They, they took him, uh, they took him and, and the rest of them were in the ship, and there were other little ships around them, and suddenly a great storm came, and you saw that he's asleep in the back part of the boat, and they woke him up, and they said, Master, don't you care that we're about to die? Don't you care, Jesus, that I'm sick here? Don't you care that I'm discouraged? Don't you care that I lost my job? Don't you care that that person in my life is dying? And he got up. And he rebuked the wind and the sea, and he said, Shalom, peace, peace be still. And the wind stopped, the sea calmed, and he rebuked them. And he said, why are you so fearful? Why is it that you have no faith? They said, who is this guy? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So what, it, what who, who was Jesus? He's, a, he's God, but he's a man filled with the Spirit of God. Are you men and women filled with the Spirit? And he said, I only... Do what I see my father doing. He slept through the storm. The disciples were crying out, don't you care? We're in the storm. Don't you care? We're about to die. They came and spoke to Jesus. What did they speak? They spoke their internal reality. They spoke their fear. 
But they'd been with Jesus. They'd seen his works. But they still didn't know him. So they, they, they had faith that Jesus could come and help them, but they had no expectation of it at that moment, even from within them. They're, they're, you know, they expressed their lack of trust in, their, you know, in the God. Do you know what we call crying out to Jesus? Prayer. They were praying to God to deliver them. And he graciously does so in spite of their doubts and fears. Thank God God is merciful and kind to us and doesn't treat us the way we deserve to be treated, right? So, but at the end, he rebukes them for their lack of faith, doesn't he? Why rebuke them? The purpose that Jesus came to earth to do was not to train followers to do stuff for him. He came to train his followers to do stuff in his name for his glory. We're supposed to do it. And if he, he, he expected them to display their faith, they did the same thing when, the boy, when he came down from the Mount of Transfiguration. The boy had been there and the, the father was there and the, the demons are, have this boy. It tears him and throws him down. And he says, how long has he been like this all his life? And he says, I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't do it. And Jesus rebukes the demon and casts him out. And he, he again tells them, he rebukes them for their lack of faith. What they needed to ask themselves was, we used to have a, 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 a wristband back in the 80s, I guess it was. It said WWJD. Remember those? I think we need them again. We should get some AFA Church wristbands that say WWJD because this is what Jesus is trying to get us to the point. If Jesus was here, what would he do? Well, I submit to you, he's here. The kingdom of God is where? In us. So he's here. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living inside of us. And his expectation is, is that we do this stuff in his name. He said, ask anything in my name, I'll do it. It's to train us to do this stuff. You see, we think faith is a noun. Faith is a verb. It's an action verb. We're supposed to be walking in faith, manifesting that faith. Jesus was asleep. He, he was at rest in the midst of the storm because he knew he had authority over every work of the enemy. He knew who he was. Every attack that would come his way, I got authority over it. He wasn't afraid. He was at peace, you see. And what was in his heart that day came out of him. When he stood up in the midst of the storm and said, peace, this internal reality became his external reality. The kingdom of God in him manifested itself into the world. The kingdom of God that came out of him changed the nature of the storm into peace. 
He released that peace into this world and everything around him changed that day. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It happened that moment because his authority, he knew his authority and he manifested into this, into this world. God is waiting for a people that will do the same thing in our lives. When we encounter a storm, when we encounter a trouble, when we encounter even other people's storms and troubles, all we have to do is release his kingdom into that situation and the peace of God rules. The authority of God comes with healing takes place. Deliverance takes place. Salvation takes place because the kingdom of God is coming out of us as we manifest it all around. We say, we, we pray, Holy Spirit, come and manifest yourself in this circumstance, in this situation. I don't care whether it's healing or love or peace or forgiveness or whatever's necessary, supernatural provision, whatever you need, Lord, come. Come out of me into this into this realm, Lord. Because we're people that know his ways. His, his nature is goodness. We say it all the time, God's good all the time. You know, one day we'll believe it. His nature is healing. Moses said, Lord, I want to know your ways. Well, we know his ways. We know his ways. He, he, he's, a, he's a lover. He's a forgiver. He's a defender. He's a deliverer. He's a friend. He, he has compassion. He has healing. He has joy. He has hope. He has trust. He has supernatural provision. Whatever is needed, Lord, come. Come, Jesus. We speak your name over this circumstance. It's greater than any other name. And just, can you imagine what might happen? Souls would get saved. People would be healed. In a greater wave, we're going to have David Metz come here in October. David Metz is an evangelist with the Assemblies of God. He's a pastor. And um, I have to say, I, I, I met him at a district council a couple years ago. We had him come speak for us uh, a couple years ago for our, for our missions convention. We're going to have him again this October. Now, David Metz is just a guy who was sitting in a pew I said, God called him to go preach the word. And he read the book of Acts, and he said, got to do it. He didn't have any money, didn't have any backing. He took his own money and went to Africa, went to Kenya. Hooked up with some people, started preaching in churches. People started getting healed. Why? Because he preached the kingdom, and it manifested. And I have to tell you that I met his pastor, and the guy thought he was a nut. He's, you know, he's just a little excited. It's okay. Well, everywhere he goes, thousands of people are being healed and saved. Let me be a nut like that. Because all it takes is one person who believes the word and will speak it and live it and do it in faith, and it'll change nations. Who do you think Charles Price was? Who do you think Billy Graham was? Who do you think Oral Roberts was? Just one guy who believed the word and said, I'll go do it. Can you imagine souls to be set free, people saved, healed? You know, I don't have any power. And David Metz doesn't have any power. And Joel Hitchcock didn't have any power. And Billy Graham didn't have any power. But greater is he who's in us than he that's in the world. 
Reinhard Bonnke, can you imagine a ministry where 72 million salvations over, your, over the life of your ministry? Can you imagine? Can you imagine preaching to 2 million people? Go look at that picture sometime out there in Lagos, Nigeria in two, year 2000. 2.2 million people in one meeting, 1.3 million salvations in one night. That's what's possible, and he's just a man. I met him. He didn't have any, he will tell you, he didn't have anything, but the Jesus in him does, and the Jesus in him comes out of him. When the storm comes, he manifests the kingdom. And in, this, and in the kingdom, there's no sickness. In the kingdom, there's no anxiety. In the kingdom, there's no bitterness, there's no hurt, there's no unforgiveness. Do you see, do you get what I'm trying to say? What would Jesus do if he was here? Moses knew his ways, but the people of Israel only knew his acts. See, it, it, don't we have, and, and Moses is crying out for a relationship, don't we have a better relationship than Moses ever possibly could have had? We've got the Spirit of Christ living inside of us. Moses had the glory of God, he, and, he, and he saw his nature, but we've got him living on the inside. And what's his desire? What's his will? To see heaven come to earth. See, he desires that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What he's wanting us to do is seek him and his presence and not his works. Thank God for his acts, but seek first him and his kingdom. And, and I, I want to tell you, if you want to see your home life get better, release his kingdom. Release God's love. Release God's patience. Release God's uh, you know, his joy in, into every circumstance. You must see the, the environment change in your workplace. Release his kingdom when you get there. Be that person. I don't, it doesn't matter if you're in a supermarket. Release the kingdom around you. Be a happy person. Be, be filled with expectation that God's about to do something. Live it out in spite of what's going on, the storms that are going on around you. Live out his kingdom. You know, I know I'm in a storm, but you know, thank you, Jesus, you're going to deliver the storm. And maybe there's somebody here who needs something that I've got. In the name of Jesus, and healing will take place. Peace will come. Listen to this. One, this is one other thing that I think we do. I, I, I know I've done it, but I, know, but I hear people do it all the time. When you say the word cancer, do you know what happens? It's a death sentence. Do you know what we're doing? We're giving far too much respect to the disease and not the healer. Far too much. We are cancer. I'm going to tell you something. No disease, no obstacle, no storm that threatens us deserves our respect. They are inferior to the kingdom of God that lives inside of me, for greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. It's about time the body of Christ started manifesting that. We hear these words, we hear these diseases, and we go, oh. Jesus stood in that boat and released the kingdom. Peace came. Peace came. God's peace. The storm was trying to kill the people of God. 
It's trying to stop the kingdom from advancing. It didn't deserve respect. It deserved to be cast out. Here's the problem that Charles Price discovered. He could only give away what was in him. He can only give away what was in him. So he determined to know God more intimately. His desire was to see them all healed. His desire, and he knows it was God's desire, to see them all saved in every meeting. And I'm not suggesting for a moment that we need more works. No, no harm will come if you spend more time in the word of God. But I'm not saying that you need to read more, you need to pray more. But somehow, you need to know him more. You need to be like Moses, say, Lord, I want to know your ways. I want to know your nature. I, 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 I want to, rather than I, when I hear cancer, I want to hear healing. Because I know you. I know what you would do if you were here. Is there any doubt in your mind that if Jesus was here and someone had cancer today, they wouldn't have cancer when they left here? Well, he's here. He's here. I want to know his heart. In order to, in order to know him more intimately, I've got to spend more time with him, whether it's in worship, in meditation, just in his presence. And I, look, I know we all have busy schedules. We've got kids, we've got work, we've got jobs, we've got, I mean, we work and job. We've got all these things, all these pressures all around us. There were many times when I started out in the ministry for the first four or five years, I was working a full-time job. I would be in, I've said this before, but I, I could be 200 miles away from home, driving back in time to get to a Wednesday night meeting and, and uh, take off my salesman's hat, put on my preacher hat, walk in the door. I got 15 minutes. I had a couple hours to pray while I was getting there. You know, but God will take the time that you have and expand it and use it. But that isn't to say that we shouldn't find a way to have him a more in-depth relationship with him. When we do have. How many hours a day do we watch TV? I know I'm guilty of it sometimes. You know, I'm bored, it's tired at night, I, I just can't sit there and read the Bible, uh, so I zone out. Well, maybe I should zone out with Jesus. I'm just about done, worship team, you can come up. Uh, does God fear? Does he doubt? And why do we? I want his truth to be my reality. I want his word to be my reality. I want his kingdom to be my reality. And I want my attitude and my actions to be reflective of his kingdom. Because as I do that, I know that his presence will be there and I know we'll see the manifestations we're waiting for. It takes the people of God knowing him intimately to release his kingdom in this world. That's the secret. You want to release the kingdom? Know him more. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says that Kingdom of God is not in our words. And it doesn't mean it's not in the word of God. What it's meaning is it's not just a multiplicity of words. It's in power. It's in dunamis power. The kingdom of God is powerful. When you release the kingdom, you're releasing the power. It's, it's 
it's the kingdom, when a kingdom encounters a storm, peace prevails, you see. And I believe God is trying to raise up a people through whom he can manifest his kingdom on this earth. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And here's the, here's the kind of the, the, the summation of it. It's going to require people who are more intimate with him and willing to release that. But we need to put a demand on that kingdom and declare that the kingdom of God is here over these circumstances and situations to release that kingdom into this realm. We do it with our mouths. I know we can all say the right things. And, and, and Charles Price, was I, was I was reading it the other day, and, and he said one of the problems is you get people in, and well-meaning people, he said, but you get somebody standing there who's got a disease and they're standing there rebuking it and they're praying over it and they're, they're, they're demanding this and declaring that and doing all that. He said, at the end of the day, that person walks away the same as the condition of what they came in. He says, because so many of those people know God can and they hope he will, but they're not releasing the kingdom. They're manifesting what's in them. And, and we want to say the right things. And, you know, God's mercy is, is wonderful. Oftentimes he responds just because he responds out of compassion and care and concern and grace and mercy. But God is, I, I believe Catherine Kuhlman had it right. There's coming a day when every one of us will be walking through the doors of a hospital and healing everyone. There's a day coming when no one will leave this place the way they came in. I've seen wonderful things. I know God can and I know he will and I know he wants to, but there's even more. If Charles Price could do it, if T.L. Osborne could get the revelation and do it, if, if Catherine Kuhlman could get the you know, revelation and do it, then we can. We can declare the kingdom of God is here. Yes. And in the process, families will change. Lives will change. Our city can change, and yes, even our nation can change. We declare the kingdom of God is here to bring forth his reality into our storms of our life. Jesus, bring heaven to earth. I'll do my part, and he's expecting you to do your part. He expected those disciples in the boat that day to have enough faith, to have enough trust in the nature of God. They could have stood up and done exactly the same thing Jesus did, but they didn't. Why? Because their reality was fear. You can only give what you have, who you are. So Lord, more of you, less of me. Your kingdom come. Through me, your will be done on earth. Lord, pray this with me. Lord, release. Lord, change my reality if it needs to be changed. And use me to release your kingdom in this world. In the hope that lives will be trained, transformed, saved, delivered, healed, saved, made whole. 